this time that we can spend together around the cross. Don't you get excited by the cross? Boy, I, I really do. Um, we've got a cross over here. Um, it's a wooden cross. Uh, we'll be visiting that a little bit later. But, you know, we see crosses at the top of churches and all sorts of things around our world. But in 2022, we have little concept, really, of what the cross originally meant. In Jesus' time, no one would wear a cross as jewellery. They just wouldn't do it because it was considered um, not a fun symbol at all. It was a symbol of unimaginable pain, incalculable shame and utter despair. And only criminals were executed on a cross. And uh, to wear a cross around your neck 2,000 years ago would be a bit like wearing a noose around your neck and thinking it's cool, uh, which it isn't. So we're going to look at, at the cross today. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, <coughs> but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. It's foolishness to the world. The cross was a symbol of execution and death and horrible things. It's foolishness. And yet to us we know it is life. And that's what we want to look at uh, this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts this morning on the cross. Lord, that you would, you would just open our eyes to the truth of what you went through on the cross and how much you love us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I want to look at the cross this morning. First of all, the need for the cross. Why do we even need a cross? Well, the Bible tells us that all of us, if we sin, we are destined to a lost eternity separated from God. That is all of us, every single one of us. So, you know, good, bad, black, white, gay, straight, doesn't matter. You know, people say, oh, you know, gay people are going to hell. Newsflash, we're all going to hell without God doing something about it. You know, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need the cross because all of us have sinned. You've sinned, you've sinned, and I've sinned. We've all sinned. And there are sins of commission and sins of omission. <coughs> So a sin of commission is when you do it. A sin of omission is when you don't do what you know you should have done. So if you don't think you've sinned, let me ask you a question. You ever got angry at somebody? I'll move right along too. Have you ever been envious or selfish? Uh, have you ever, ever let someone down or spoken badly of another person? Have you ever walked past someone, someone in need, without helping them? Ever done that? Have you ever not done what you know not done what you know is right or done what you know is wrong. I mean, we've all sinned, folks. And sin separates you and I from God. Now, in the Old Testament, under the law, sacrifices were required to reconcile us back to God. In Hebrews 9.22, we see the reason for this. Paul, or the writer to the Hebrews, rather, writes, Under the law, almost everything was purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So without the shedding of blood, sin cannot be forgiven. Now that was in the Old Testament. I say, yeah, but where in the New Testament? But in the New Testament, the standard hasn't changed. It's the same, it's the same law. It's the same God. Unless there is bloodshed, there is no remission of sins. But the difference here is that God supplies the sacrifice. That's the incredible difference. So why do we need the cross? Because rather than us dying, as our sin deserves... And, and the shedding of our blood for the remission of sin or the shedding of the blood of animals, what happened is Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for us and shed his blood on a cross for us. He left his home in glory. He came to earth with an express mission. Jesus came to earth with a mission. It wasn't to be a nice guy. It wasn't to be a good teacher. His mission was to come and win back the souls of men and women. 
His mission was to come and lay his life down instead of us and suffer the punishment that we deserved. Isaiah says he set his face like flint to fulfill this mission. So we all need the cross. The world hates it. The world thinks it's foolish. But we know it's salvation for every one of us. You see, I should have been hanging on that cross. You should have been hanging on that cross. But he chose to give his life for ours. He experienced what we should have experienced to give us what we never deserved, a chance to be right with God. Uh, do you remember the film The Passion of the Christ? Remember that film? Mel Gibson did it. There's a scene in there where, where uh, the, the hands, his hand is laid down and a nail is driven through his hands. And you just see the hands of someone hitting that nail through the, hands, through the, the wrist of Jesus. And th- those, those hands in that scene were actually Mel Gibson, the producer's hands. And what he was saying was, I drove those nails into him. Not anybody else, me, I did. And he was recognising his own sin. So why would God even do this? Why would Jesus lay his life down for us? I'll tell you why. Because he loves us. That's why. Because he loves us. So what is the motive for the cross? Why, why even have a cross? What's, what's behind it? A holy and just God cannot simply excuse sin. Because if he did he would no longer be holy or just. Imagine what our society would look like if we just let all the criminals off the courts never punished anybody for any crime. Do you think it'd be a nice place to live? I reckon the ratbag element of society would just take over because there's no punishment. You know, it would be bedlam. If God let everybody into heaven, heaven would be hell. Because there'd be sin there. A holy God cannot... Ignore or tolerate filthy sin. But instead of excusing us or condemning us to a lost eternity, God's solution was to find us guilty as his justice requires, but to pay the price for us as his mercy desires. Mercy was his motive. Now imagine, you're standing in a courtroom, you're standing before a judge. It's not you and your family, it's not you and your partner, it's not you and your kids, it's you. And you're standing before the judge. And the, the, the judge says, whatever crime you've committed, the penalty is a million dollar fine or death. What's it going to be? The gavel falls. Your fate is sealed. But you haven't got a million dollars spare. One sentence is pronounced. The gavel falls. Bang. Sentence must be carried out. But then immediately after that, the judge pulls out his own wallet and pays your fine for you and says you are free. That's what we're talking about. That's the motive behind the cross. It's this motivation that is in that cross. God in his mercy paying the penalty for our sins. He didn't have to do it. He did it because he loves you. Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8 says this, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, listen to this, and being found in a human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He chose to do it. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God. He's not a God. He's not a created being. He was and is and forever will be God. Do I hear an amen to that? There's a school of thought that says he became a man when he was on earth and was not a God for a period of time. Then he became a God again. That is wrong, folks. Jesus is, was, and always will be God. Yet this this glorious God chose to empty himself and become a servant as a sacrifice for you and I, to die in our place. God's motive in sending his son to die in our place was purely this. He loves you. That's his motive. 
Uh, you might have heard the story of, a, of a, a drawbridge keeper in Mississippi in 1937. Brought his little eight-year-old boy to work one day. And uh, the drawbridge was raised as the train approached. Uh, it, it was time to lower the bridge. But he looked down and he saw his son caught in the, in the cogs that would lower the bridge. And he faced a decision. He could see his son was hurt. He was trapped down there. What did he do? If he saved his son, the train would plunge and hundreds of people would be killed. And so he had to make a decision. It was an express train. It was approaching fast. He had to make a decision. Save his son. Hundreds of people fall into the river or sacrifice his son and the trainload of people live. He pushed the lever. The, train, the bridge began to lower and the train went over the bridge safely as he heard the screams of his dying little boy in the cogs below. That's the love of a father. Breaking his heart, but he loves us so much. Can we grasp that this morning? This is not just a thing we put around our necks or put on a steeple. This is God's love and God's mercy for us. That he would sacrifice his one and only son. And make no mistake, nails did not hold Jesus to the cross. Love for you held him to the cross. That's what held him to the cross. Not nails, his love for you. Thirdly, let's look at the road to the cross. You know, there was a, a fairly long road to the cross which shows all of us how Jesus can relate to us. Some people say, well, God would never understand. Jesus would never understand what I'm going through. Yeah, he would. Let me tell you about the road to the cross. Matthew 27, verse 30 to 31. And they spit on him. And they took a reed and they struck him on the head. You see it illustrated here. And when they, and when they mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Jesus was betrayed by his closest friends. Judas betrayed him and the rest ran. Have you ever been let down by your friends? Well, Jesus knows that. He understands that. Some of you have experienced that. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone. He understands how that feels. Then he was unjustly accused. Have you ever been unjustly accused? Accused of something you haven't done, but they're attacking you anyway. He understands that as well. well Jesus was horribly abused. Have you ever been abused? Some of you have abuse in your background and you say... Jesus would never understand me. Yes, he does. He was abused horribly. He understands everything we've been through. He gets it. They whipped him. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. Thorns, Jerusalem thorns, longer than a man's finger. And they drove them into his head and they mocked him. And they drove those spikes into his head, blow after blow. They tore the beard from his face. They mocked him and they beat him. Jesus was beaten to within an inch of his life. The Bible said his back was like a ploughed field. The Romans, the Romans had refined cruelty and pain to the point of a science. They called the whipping that Jesus received, they called it the halfway death. And what they did was they used a cat of nine tails, which, is, which had nine uh, sort of um, leather uh, things on the end. And into each one of these was, was embedded um, bits of metal and stone and bone and that sort of stuff. So they would strike it into his back. And it would just thud in there. Then they'd rip it back off and it would tear flesh away as it went. Unbelievable pain, which he could have stopped at any moment, but he didn't. Why? Because he loves you. And then he was taken away for the death sentence to be carried out. They placed the, the cross beam. They didn't place the whole cross on him. They put the cross beam on him. He had to carry it. And he was so weak from the abuse that he'd, and beatings that he'd suffered that they had to get Simon of Cyrene to help him carry it. A heavy, terrible burden after being so abused. 
So some of you here have been abused. You wonder if Jesus understands. Yes, he does. And some of you here are carrying burdens and he understands that too because he carried that incredible heavy burden that day. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because Jesus understands the burdens you're carrying. He understands the, the fears and, and, and the difficulties that you have to shoulder in life. The pain, the fear, the loneliness, the loss, whatever burden you bear today, you can give it to Jesus. Because Jesus will bear the burden for you. He knows, he understands what you face right now. Why would he bear such a burden for us? I'll tell you why. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Let's look at the work of the cross. He was taken, he was beaten and driven to Golgotha, Skull Hill, and there they crucified him. We, we sing that song, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It's not really true. It wasn't on a hill. It was actually at the, the base of that hill. It was on a busy roadway, which today is an Arab bus stop. Uh, and if you're here on Sunday, we're going to actually get some film footage from the Holy Land so you can see what this place was actually like. Wouldn't that be cool? If you haven't been there, um, that's going to be Sunday morning. I'm lining that up. Stay tuned. Be here on Sunday. But they laid the cross member down and they secured it to the rest of the cross. Then they held out his quivering hands and they drove massive nails, like what they, what they drive railway sleepers in with, through his, his wrists and his ankles. If they went through his hand, as traditionally it was, it would tear away. So they put it through the wrist and it would hold. And uh, uh, there's a, in the Rockefeller Museum, there's a, an actual, the foot of a slave with, it, with the, 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 the uh, spike still through it where the slave was crucified. This is real. This is what actually happened, folks. Went through his wrists and his ankles and it pinned him in agony to the cross. And they raised it up and they dropped it in the socket. Can you imagine the jarring pain as they dropped that in the socket? And it held the, the cross there. And there he hung in agony. Now Jesus could have called down a legion of angels. He could have called them all down and said, come rescue me, but he didn't do it. He hung there in agony for you. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And the cross wasn't high at all. We think of it being a big thing because we've got it on the top of, you know, steeples and stuff like that. But the cross wasn't high. It was just above eye level. So people could almost look straight in the eyes of Jesus. And as he hung there in agony, people walked past and they mocked him and they insulted him. Matthew 27, 42 says, is what, what people were saying. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's supposed to be the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and then we'll believe in him. They mocked him to his face as he hung there in agony for you. And the soldiers offered him wine mixed with gall, a pain-killing drug. But Jesus, even in intense agony, refused the drugs. How interesting. Even in intense agony, he said, no, I'm not going to dull the pain. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to bear this pain without relief, and I'm going to do it because I love people. The cross was an almost perfect instrument of torture. This thing here, two simple bits of wood, but it's a perfect instrument of torture. What happened was uh, he's pinned to the cross, and on the cross you die of suffocation. You don't bleed to death or something. You die of suffocation, ultimately. That's why they came and they broke the, the legs of, of, of the, the, uh, the guys crucified on the cross with him. They broke their legs. They didn't break his because he was dead at the time. But remember later, they broke the legs of them because if they break their legs, they just suffocate. So what happens on the cross is, is Jesus will push himself up on the spikes, unbelievable pain and agony. And, and, and then the, the, the pain would be so much that it would drive him into unconsciousness and he would slump. But then the need for air 
would revive him and he'd push himself up again on the, and it's a, this process went on and on and on for hours. Unbearable pain, trying to breathe. See, the Latin word for crucifixion is the word cruciere, from which we get the English word excruciating. Excruciating pain means intense, unbearable pain. And Jesus suffered this intense, unbearable pain for three hours under the intense heat of the Palestinian sun before God said enough and covered the world in darkness. Jesus continued to suffer for another three hours in the darkness in ways that we cannot begin to understand. And the thing is, he could have stopped that. At any minute, he could have stopped that. He could have said, enough, I'm done. But he didn't. He chose to stay there. Why? Because he loves you. That's why. So what about the end of the cross? After six torturous hours, the Bible says this in Matthew 27, verse 46. Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would he say that? Because at that moment he was saying, my God, the Father, my God, the Holy Spirit, why have you forsaken me? In those moments, a holy God turned his back on his own son and forsook his own son because he was bearing our sin on his shoulders. At that moment, the, a holy God turned away from him and he was all alone in intense loneliness, bearing our sin. At that moment, the Father rejected him, and Jesus experienced separation from God for all of us. And then it says this in verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Or John 19.30, when Jesus had received sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus' last words were the words, it is finished. Tetelio in Greek which means it is complete. This word is used for a final payment on a loan. If you come to uh, the, the Passover tomorrow night, you'll, you'll learn even more about this. But this word was used for the final payment on a loan. If you paid all these installments, you get to the last one and you go, bam, there it is, paid in full. And that's what the word means, paid in full. And interestingly, this was the very words that were spoken in Hebrew in the temple at that exact moment. At that exact time, they were reaching the end of the sacrifices for the Passover and the high priest was, was uttering the words, it is finished. They were only able to utter those once a year. And that happened at that exact moment. It is finished. Jesus was saying, my mission is complete. I'm done. I've done what I came to do. I have borne the sins of the world. I've become the ultimate sacrifice for the sins of men and women. And then he slumped dead on the cross. Ultimately, ultimately, they didn't take Jesus' life. Jesus yielded it. He chose to. Remember, nails didn't hold him there. His love for you held him there. He chose when he yielded his life. Why? Because he loves us. And then they took his body down from the cross and they buried it in a fresh tomb. We'll learn more about this on Sunday. Now, what's the result of the cross? I mean... At that exact moment, at the exact moment when he screamed out, it is finished, and he slumped dead. At that exact moment, the temple in the, in the, the, sorry, the temple curtain, which was this huge, huge curtain separating the most holy place from the rest of it, ripped from top to bottom in one go. And God was showing us that finally the way was open for us to reach God. 
Finally, the way was open for us to commune with God, to connect with God. He ripped that thing from top to bottom right there. And here's what Matthew reports in, in Matthew 27. Verse 15 and on says this, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the, temple, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split <coughs> and tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and were coming out of the tombs. After the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It was just when he said it was finished, People came out of graves because death was finally conquered. The result of the cross was that the penalty for sin, separation from God for all eternity in hell, was overcome. Eternal death was defeated. That very day, it was defeated. But this very day, you can be assured that you can escape hell and being forever separated from God. You can get to to eternity. You can spend eternity with God in his heaven starting today if you choose. It's up to you to choose. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, God, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's his promise. God doesn't renege on promises. That death that he died on the cross was for you and for me. And some of you here may have never asked Jesus into your life. But if you're not sure... If you've never made that commitment, if you don't know what's going on, today is the day to make it sure. Of all days, this is the day. If you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? Would you spend it with God in his heaven? Or would you spend it in hell, separated from God? And a lot of, I'm an Australian, mate, I understand. There's a lot of Aussies say, yeah, hell will be great. We'll break out a pack of cards and we'll have a good time and drink lots of booze. No, you won't. No, you won't. That's not what hell's like at all. You want to see what hell's like? Look at the cross. That is hell. Hell is loneliness. It's separate. You won't be there with your mates. You'll be in eternal agony because Jesus paid that price for you. And it's your choice if you go there. But I can tell you right now, if you accept Jesus into your life today, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the life you've lived. He has a free gift for you today because he's paid the price because he loves you. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, or maybe you have in the past, but you've never walked into it, you've never really seen it through, then this is your moment. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2 says, Behold, now is the time of salvation. Now is the favorable day. Now. You know, you might say, well, I've got plenty of time. I can put this aside. I'm too busy enjoying the rest of my life. You don't know what's coming down the line. You don't know what's going to happen in life. Why don't you get it right now? Because I'm telling you, if you think sin's fun, try holiness. It's a, it's a blast. You don't have to fear things. You don't have to look over your shoulder. You don't have to be ashamed. It is awesome. The Christian life, even if we've only got a great life now, even if heaven didn't exist, it would still be the greatest life we could have. But I'm telling you, heaven does exist. And the Lord is reaching out to you today and saying, Come. Come, come to me. Accept my free gift. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, this is your moment. This is the time when you say, man, I look at that cross. I don't want to suffer that myself. I see you paid the price for me. This is the time to ask Jesus into your life. This is the moment. 
If you've never asked him into your life, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. And together we will ask the Lord into your life and your life will be transformed forever. I promise you. So if you've never asked the Lord into your life or if you've been a long time wandering from him, pray this with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've sinned. Forgive me. I turn away from my sin to you. I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for welcoming me to your forever family. If you prayed that for the first time or the first time in a long time, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand quickly wherever you are. We won't call you forward. This is between you and God. But if you did that, raise your hand quickly. Good. Are there any others? Yeah. I believe God's speaking to us today. When we look at that cross, we see the incredible love that God has for you and for me. But let me finish on this. What is your response to the cross? Galatians 6.14 says this. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, we look at that cross, if you remember the, the stories of Good Friday that are recorded in the Gospels, there were three soldiers that day. Now, I, I know some of you have given your heart to the Lord. That's brilliant. But I want to speak to the rest as well. Because it's one thing to say, yes, Lord, come into my life and save me. But it's another thing to live for him. There were three soldiers that day at the cross. And they had three different responses to watching Jesus die. The first soldier was a materialist. The Bible says they gambled for Jesus' cloak. It was a rabbi's cloak. The, the, the cloak that Jesus was wearing was a rabbi's cloak. It had no seams on it except around the shoulders. It was considered very valuable. And one soldier, he gambled for his garment and he got the cloak of Jesus. And he was happy. He, he come there, he got something for nothing. He got something from, from Jesus and he was happy. And many of us are like that today. We only come to God to ask him for stuff. Say, so give me stuff, God. This guy was a materialist. The second guy there was an angry, violent soldier who was so incensed by this, he thrust a spear up into the side of Jesus and pulled it out and out came blood and water, showing he was truly dead. But his experience, that soldier, was one of hatred. And some of you here might be angry with God. Maybe angry. Maybe you asked God for something and he didn't deliver. And now you blame him for it. You're angry, angry at him. Maybe you blame God for the way your life has unfolded, even though you made all the bad decisions. But you still blame him. Well, this man was angry. He thrust that spear up. He pulled it out. And blood came out, blood and water. And he trampled the precious blood of Jesus on the ground. And today, honestly, as we look around our nation, most of our people are out there thinking about a day off, thinking about going to the beach, thinking about sports or about hot cross buns or Easter eggs. And they, our nation, they're out there and they will tread with contempt the precious blood of Jesus into the ground. That's what they're out there doing into our red soil. But the third soldier was a centurion, the leader of that little, little um, uh, party. And Mark 15.39 says this, And when the centurion who stood facing him saw the way in which his last breath was drawn, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. 
And I want to ask you this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, let me challenge you. Can you say truly, this man was the son of God and live it? We're going to do something a little bit different here. This is my, my favorite thing to do on Good Friday. I love this. We're going to hand out some pieces of paper and pens. And we're going to move this cross here. I want you all to take a piece of paper and a pen, whether you prayed that first prayer or not. And I'm going to take, ask you to take a few moments. And this is my question to you this morning. What are you going to say to the one who died on this cross for you? Are you angry or upset at him? Are you just after what you can get from him? Or are you calling him Lord of all? I beg you this morning, don't tread the precious blood of Jesus underfoot. When you look at this cross, my question is, how will you respond? Colossians 2, 14 to 15 says this, cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and putting them to open shame by triumphing over him. Every time you come to Christ and call Christ Lord, every decision you make that glorifies God puts the other guys to shame, puts the demons to shame. If you already know him, then I'm going to ask you this morning, and most of us do, I'm guessing, I want you to think about your life right now. In 2022, post-COVID, post all the things we've gone through over the last few years, let me ask you to take a few moments to talk about your life right now. How will you respond today to this cross? If we talk about giving it all to him, talk is cheap. You can say that. It's easy to say, Jesus, you are Lord. It's hard to live it. So let me ask you, what is your greatest burden right now? What is burdening you the most? What's your greatest need? Maybe it's a need for, um, for love. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're in fear. What's your greatest need? Perhaps your greatest fear struggle. Maybe it's an ongoing sin that you just can't seem to get away from committing. I don't know what it is. This is not between me and you. This is between you and him, the one who hung on this cross. I'm going to ask you to write down your greatest burden right now. Write it down, and today we are going to give it totally to Jesus Christ. You can trust him, this one who died in your place. Seek him first and let him sort out the rest. You know, Matthew said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Well, after we've prayed, I'm going to give you the chance to deal with it, to triumph over and disarm the spiritual rulers and authorities and come forward and nail that burden to the cross. Give it to him. And here's the thing, when you nail it to the cross, you can't take it back. It's nailed there. I'm not going to go through these. This is between you and God. Write it down. And in a few moments, we're going to come forward, all of us, every single one of us, and we're going to nail it to this cross. And we're going to give it to him forever and not take it back. Why don't you pray with me? Oh, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so much for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for the burden that you carried for us. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much that you hung upon nails in agony and died a cruel death for us. And right now, Lord, we want to give you the burdens that we carry the sins, the struggles, the fears, the loneliness, the depression, whatever it is, whatever it is that is your biggest burden, you've written it down 
It's time to give it to, to Jesus and let go. Lord, we just glorify you. And we ask that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit and care for us, minister to us as we release this burden to you and we promise not to take it back. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.